This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. A warning, this episode features dramatizations and discussions of violence. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Vietnamese traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. The small fishing vessel rocked violently in the waves. Its sail flapped in the wind, threatening to come loose. On board, three naked fishermen with long, unruly hair struggled against the chaotic surf. Grimacing with effort, they heaved a wooden fishing trap out of the waves and up onto the deck. The cage was empty. One of the fishermen snarled and kicked the side of the vessel, turning away in frustration. Then his eyes narrowed, focusing on something on the horizon. A triangular white sail was hovering above the waterline, the fisherman nudged his friends and nodded to the sail, which was growing closer by the second. They all stopped to watch as it drew closer and closer. Soon it was near enough that they should have had a clear view of the ship itself. There was only one problem. There was no ship. A sail without a ship? What does it mean? Let us turn back. We have been out long enough. Before the fishermen could turn their vessel around, the sail disappeared beneath the surface completely. The men stared at the spot where it had vanished, nervous. As they stared, a monster burst from the water. It was many times larger than the boat, with a long, centipede-like body and huge, powerful jaws. Its tail was white and flat, the sail they'd seen hovering above the water. 
The men screamed as the beast crashed into them with a sickening crack. The boat splintered like kindling and they tumbled into the water. Their screams were cut off one by one as the beast ate its fill. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Today, we're discussing the story of Lac Long Quan, the dragon lord and father of Vietnam. Born from a dragon and a god, Lac Long Quan's heroics and kindness taught the ancient Vietnamese how to survive and created a new, united nation of people. In this one-part episode, we'll detail how Lac Long Quan came to the land of Ao La, now present-day Vietnam, and changed the future of its people forever. In Vietnamese mythology, the prehistoric people who lived in present-day Vietnam were called the Lạc Viet. They lived in what is now the Red River Delta region of northern Vietnam, a land they called Ao La. The Red River Delta is a flat region that butts up against the sea, skirted by mountains, and is known as the Cradle of Vietnam. This placement plays a significant role in Vietnamese mythology, which frequently discusses the uniting of the land and the sea. The Lạc made use of these surroundings by becoming expert fishermen and farming their fertile delta. But to the Chinese conquerors in the north, they were referred to as barbarians. Perhaps because of Chinese influence, Asian history has painted the Lạc as a chaotic and uncivilized people. Whether or not there's any truth to this depiction, or if the Chinese were just skeptical of a culture different from their own, is a matter of debate. But what is clear is that to Lac Long Quan, the La were a people in need of help. Thousands of years ago, Ao La was a land untamed, where immense monsters ruled and where its people struggled to survive against the elements. But deep below the sea lay a kingdom of peace and prosperity. Gun Duong Vuong, a god who could live on either land or in the ocean, had married Lon Nu, the daughter of the Dragon King. They lived beneath the waves, where they raised a son named Son Lam. When he reached adulthood, he was given another name, Lac Long Quan, the Dragon Lord. As a direct descendant of both dragons and gods, Lac Long Quan was both and neither. He had sharp talons and a long, lean body covered in scales, but his head was that of a man. 
He possessed terrifying strength, but also empathy. As a young man living in his kingdom deep under the sea, Lack Long Quan's father regaled him with tales from his time on land, stories of great monsters and the tormented humans who lived in Aula. As he listened, the young prince grew troubled. He was haunted by the knowledge that while he lived in luxury, humans in the world up above led short and desperate lives. Once he was old enough, he left home for Aula to see what he might be able to do to help. Lak Long Quan arrived on the shores of Aula and stared out at the rough waters thoughtfully. He wondered where to begin. He was startled when a fisherman emerged from the water, crawling up onto the beach. He was covered in seaweed and moved feebly, soon collapsing into the sand. Curious, Lak Long Quan approached. When the fisherman opened his eyes, he gasped in shock and horror. He eyed Lak Long Quan's immense height, handsome face, and the scale-covered hide that glinted in the sunlight. Have I escaped the jaws of one beast, only to fall prey to another? Are you a dragon or a man? I am Lak Long Quan. My father, Gunduan Vuong, told me about the troubles of those who live on land. I have traveled here to see how I can help. Gun Duan Vuan. The god? The same. Now, tell me who did this to you. We were attacked by the sea monster, No Ting. He has preyed on our people for years. We would not dare enter these waters if there were any other way to feed our families. Lak Long Quan helped the fisherman to his feet, more determined than ever to free the La from the monster that plagued them. He had an idea. The La gathered on the shore as Lak Long Quan felled trees and bound them together with rope. Soon he'd crafted a large boat. He then disappeared into a cave in the side of the mountain where he stayed for days, heating iron and molding it with his bare hands. Finally, he emerged to face the waiting La. In his arms was the glowing red-hot replica of a man made of iron. Lack Long Quan looked up at the gathering storm in the sky above. He had to hurry. He hoisted the hot metal decoy onto the ship's deck and instructed the La to push the boat into the water. Once adrift, they watched anxiously as it floated off among the waves. Lack Long Quan gently slipped into the water, following at a distance. He watched the boat go out deeper into the water as he swam behind it. He cleared his throat and spoke as loudly as he could in the fisherman's voice. Our traps are empty. It has not been a good day. His heart leapt as the white sail appeared on the horizon. It sped toward the ship. Lak Long Quan called out, again using the fisherman's voice. We should head back soon. The storm grows above us. Moments later, No Ting, the sea monster, launched itself from the water. Its jaws stretched wide, then closed violently around the red-hot statue before the monster plunged back into the sea. Almost immediately, No Ting resurfaced with a piercing scream of pain. 
Its body smoked as the molten metal traveled down its throat to its stomach. Lack Long Quan seized his opportunity and struck. The storm raged above as Lack Long Quan lunged forward, slashing the monster's smoking throat with his talons. His sharp dragon talons tore through No Ting's neck, and the monster's head tumbled onto the deck of the ship. The La applauded in relief as Lack Long Quan made his way back to the beach. They murmured their thanks and began to walk away. Lack Long Quan was taken aback to notice their faces were grim as they departed. My friends, what is the matter? No Ting is dead. There is no more need to worry. No Ting is dead. And for that, we are forever in your debt. But I fear we still have much to worry about. Then tell me, what is it? We would not trouble you, Dragon Lord, but we have also been tormented by Ho Ting, a far worse monster than No Ting. He takes on many forms and even appears among us to start arguments. He has changed our people. We do not know who to trust anymore. We do not even like to leave our homes if we can help it. Before the Dragon Lord's eyes, the Lap began to bicker and fight among themselves at the mention of Ho Ting. As Lak Long Quan surveyed the weary Lap with pity, he was moved. It wasn't their anger that saddened him, it was their helplessness. Once again, he spread his arms and raised his voice to address the crowd. I understand your predicament, but fear not. I shall vanquish this devil that torments you, just as I vanquished no ting. And when my task is done, I shall show you how to fend for yourselves. Coming up, Lack Long Quan faces a new breed of monster. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some... The gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. The Dragon Lord Lack Long Quan pitied the humans of Ao La and was determined to help them whatever way he could. He rid them of the sea monster No Ting, only to learn that there was an even worse beast living in the mountains, Ho Ting. But defeating Ho Ting would not be an easy feat. Lack Long Quan found him in the mountains, at the mouth of his cave. Just as the Lot had warned, the monster shifted his form, changing into the shape of a ferocious giant fox with nine tails. They fought for hours. Soon, both the fox and the dragon lord were exhausted, but neither would submit to the other. When Ho Ting lunged once more, Lack Long Quan stretched out his arms and summoned a great gust of wind. 
the wind swept through the trees and lifted the fox, trapping him in the air. Ho Ting snarled and fought, twisting in his tumultuous cage, but to no avail. He was trapped. Lak Long Quan approached, preparing his great claws. Suddenly, Ho Ting transformed. He took the shape of the old fisherman, the first man of the La that Lak Long Quan had ever met. I am Ho Ting, the oldest, wisest, and most cunning beast of these mountains. Who are you that dares trap me? I am Lak Long Quan, son of a dragon and a god. The gods of the forest and the mountain listen to me and do my bidding. And so shall you. You will leave this place at once. Why are you here if you're so powerful, protecting pathetic humans? I fight not for what they are, but for what they might be one day. What is my magic for, if not to create something out of nothing? <laughs> then you are a fool. Now that you have helped them once, they will always need you. Soon you will see. You must either abandon them to wither and die, or care for them forever, like whimpering children who refuse to grow. Lak Long Quan faltered, rattled by Ho Ting's declaration. The gale subsided, releasing Ho Ting. The moment his feet touched the ground, he transformed back into a fox and lunged. Lak Long Quan reacted on instinct, his dragon claws slashing through the air. With a single swipe, he cut the monster's head clean off. For a long moment, the dragon lord stood panting, with Ho Ting's final words ringing in his ears. Over the next few months, Lak Long Quan taught the newly freed La to cook, build houses, wear clothes, and make weapons. And perhaps most importantly, to use the flat, fertile delta to create rice patties. The La loved him and praised him as their god. Using their new skills, they built him a sprawling palace on a mountain peak. But Lak Long Quan missed his family and the deep vastness of the sea. A growing ache within him grew stronger until finally he gathered the law together. I came here to see how I might help you. And I stayed to free you from danger and teach you how to grow and prosper. But this is not my home. I have helped you as best I can. And now I must say goodbye. I wish I could leave a part of myself here with you forever. But what I can offer is this. If you find yourselves in danger, call for me and I will return. The La watched sadly as Lak Long Quan waded out into the sea. Soon he had completely disappeared beneath the surface. In the months that followed, the La worked tirelessly to uphold the way of life that Lak Long Quan had taught them. Though he wasn't there, they were determined to make him proud. But that soon became impossible. Only a few months later, the La trembled as they stared up at the mountain pass. Hundreds of soldiers on horseback sped toward them. 
they charged through their carefully constructed rice paddies past their newly erected homes. It was the northerners, and they were eager to take this budding new civilization for their own. Without the protection from their dragon lord, the Lot people were virtually defenseless against the brutish army. For months, their villages were plundered, their farms and fisheries ravaged. Instead of the burgeoning new civilization that Lak Long Quan had left, they'd become prisoners in their own home. One night, the fisherman who had first met Lak Long Quan on the shores of Aulot sat in his ransacked home, cradling his infant daughter in his arms. She was running a fever and would not stop crying. He feared that if he could not quiet her, the northern soldiers would return. This time, they might take more than food. Shh, my dear. Please, please do not cry. I can help. The fisherman looked up to find a beautiful woman standing in the doorway. Thick, dark hair hung in a curtain over her shoulders. The fisherman stepped away, clutching his daughter closer. Tell me, what ails your child? She is sick. I fear her fever does not break. Let me see. Hesitantly, the fisherman passed his daughter to the strange woman. She held the child close, crooning to her in a low whisper. Soon, a warm glow miraculously emanated from her arms, and the baby fell quiet. The fisherman was awed. How is this possible? You possess magic like the Dragon Lord. My name is Aoko. My mother was a fairy of the mountains. <sighs> that must be why this land has struck me so. Your mountains and forests are beautiful. I am sorry for what my father has done to your people. You are the northern chieftain's daughter? He has ruined our way of life. My father is a cruel man. I have tried to reason with him, but he does not listen to me. But tell me, who is this dragon lord you speak of? The bravest being this land has ever known. He fought and killed the monsters who terrorized our people. He taught us how to live. I once believed that thanks to his guidance, we would prosper. Then your father came. Your anger is warranted. If there is anything I can do to help you, I will. Please, call me if you need me. I... Thank you for helping my daughter. Without another word, Ao Ko strode out of the fisherman's home. He watched her go thoughtfully. Suddenly, his eyes lit up. He remembered Lak Long Quan's departing words. If you find yourselves in danger, call for me. So the fisherman found himself standing at the water's edge, looking out into the sea. He cupped his hands around his mouth. Dragon Lord, please! We need your help! He was met with silence. Defeated, he turned to leave, but as he did so, a swell of wind hit him, pushing him to the ground. 
he looked back to see none other than Lack Long Quan walking out of the sea. But he'd changed. His dragon's body had been replaced by a strong man's. Lack Long Quan, my lord, you look so different. Before I came to fight monsters, and this time I come to fight men. And so, I dressed the part. You already know why I have called you? This may not be my true home, but it is a part of me. When the law hurt, I hurt. Now, tell me where to find these invaders. The fisherman led Lak Long Quan through the village and pointed to the impressive fortress on a hill overlooking the delta. It was an intimidating sight. The La watched with admiration as he passed, heading toward the fortress. Their hero had returned. Lack Long Quan walked through the trees that peppered the delta near the mountains, but he stopped when he heard something. It was the sound of a woman singing. Lack Long Quan stepped around a tree and stood, frozen at what he saw. Ao Ko, the fairy daughter of the mountains, was crouched near the ground. Her delicate hands picked flowers lovingly as she sang. As if sensing that she was being watched, she suddenly looked up and met the dragon lord's gaze. Lack Long Quan knew what violence was. He knew what empathy was. He knew that his heart told him to help the La, but that he belonged in the sea. But as he gazed at Alko, he realized that he knew nothing at all. Lack Long Quan stared at the beautiful fairy woman before him, his task of battling the invading chieftain momentarily forgotten. Finally, Alko broke the silence. Hello, who are you? They call me the Dragon Lord. Aoko's heart beat quickly. She remembered the fisherman's tale of the brave dragon lord who had slain the land's beasts. After years of living under her father's cruelty, standing before someone so good made her heart quicken. Her voice trembled as she told him who she was. Ah, the enemy. I have come to fight your father, you know, to save the people of Aula. As you have saved them before. I care for them. What is magic for if not to help? I feel the same way. They stared at one another with a passionate gaze. Their hearts both beat rapidly, ecstatic to find a kindred spirit. Lack Long Quan finally spoke again. A palace was built for me, not far from here. It is on a mountain that overlooks the sea beside the range that protects the basin. Would you like to see it? I thought you had a battle to get to, Dragon Lord. I would rather get your father to come to me, if you will help. Alko looked conflicted for a long moment, then slowly smiled. Lack Long Quan brought Alko to the palace that the lot had built for him atop Mount Tan Viet. Alko stared out at the view in awe. You can see the Hung River entering the plains from here. It is beautiful. Their moment was interrupted by a trumpet 
echoing in the distance. They looked down, their dread growing. Far below, the Northern Army was gathered. Coming up, Lack Long Quan fights for his people and for love. Now back to the story. Lack Long Quan set out to confront the chieftain of the invading northern army that had come to Ao La. But after meeting the chieftain's beautiful daughter, Ao Ko, he had a better idea. He took her to his palace on Mount Tan Bie and waited for the chieftain to come to him. It did not take long. As Ao Ko and Lack Long Quan stared down at the invader horde from their perch atop the mountain, Lack Long Quan looked pleased, but Ao Ko was anxious. My father is here. This was a bad idea, Dragon Lord. Look how many there are. You need not worry. But if you want to leave, you should tell me now. No, I want to stay here. It is strange. I am new to this land, but somehow I feel at home here. The mountains have called to me. <laughs> I have more of my mother in me than I thought. The trumpet wailed again, and Lack Long Quan smiled. He stood at the edge of the mountain and raised his arms to the sky. Once again, Lack Long Quan used the elements to aid him. The wind tore at the soldiers below as they tried to ascend the mountain. Rain made visibility impossible as it pummeled their faces. The men below faltered, but a moment later, they continued to climb. A storm began. Thunder and lightning brewed in the sky. Violent streaks of light illuminated the ranks of soldiers. Ao Ko watched on in awe. Far below, the chieftain stepped out from among his men, his face red with fury. He gestured to his archers. They fired a volley of arrows into the sky. But before the arrows reached the palace, a gust of wind blew them aside like twigs. The chieftain was startled. He looked up at the raging sky, then to his daughter far above. The wind died down and the rain stopped. The sun poked through the angry clouds above. Lack Long Quan turned to look at Ao Ko. Her words could end this battle. She smiled, shouting into the wind. Father, take your men and go back to the north. I have found my home. The devastated chieftain took his men and went back to the north, abandoning their fortress. The Lot rejoiced and were even more pleased to find that they had a new queen. Ao Ko and Lak Long Quan lived in the mountain palace, deliriously in love. They ventured down to the valley where they toured villages and helped the Lot recover from the war. Lak Long Quan called rain down to enrich the rice paddies, while Ao Ko healed the sick and wounded. They were the generous royals of Ao La, the country's heart. But as quickly as their love had grown, it soon faltered. Lack Long Quan's desire for the sea and his home had returned. 
he grew distant and melancholy. Each night he would stand and stare at the distant shore, lost in thought. Alko was soon despondent as well. She loved the mountainous terrain of the range and the whispers of the animals of the forest. Their palace was so high up, she felt separated from the nature that gave her strength. With each passing day, these differences became harder to ignore. The lovers' hearts were pulling them in opposite directions. When they went out for walks, Lak Long Quan would walk toward the beach while Ao Ko would take the mountain path. When they sat down for dinner, Ao Ko would bring rabbit from the forest while Lak Long Quan would bring fish he'd caught himself. When they tried to converse, they would soon fall silent, deep in their own thoughts. Finally, they stopped saying anything at all. One day, Ao Ko approached Lak Long Quan as he stared out at the sea from a palace window. She had news. I have something to tell you. It is good news, I hope. I am pregnant. Ao Ko, are you sure? I am. I hope that this might be a new beginning for us. We have grown apart, and I am not sure what to make of it. Perhaps now... We will find our way back to each other. I... I am happy. I have always felt like a father to the law, but now I will truly become one. And maybe this will finally feel like home. And for the first time in a long time, Lak Long Quan enveloped Ao Ko in his arms, their former melancholy momentarily forgotten. The couple watched eagerly as Ao Ko's belly quickly grew, Miraculously, in just a few weeks, she cried out for Lak Long Quan. It was time. <coughs> Alko pushed and pushed until finally it was over. She looked down to see her child for the first time, but she gasped in shock. What Lak Long Quan held in his arms was not a baby at all but a glowing sack filled with a hundred eggs. Aoko laughed with joy. Within mere moments, the sack started to move. The new parents watched eagerly as the eggs within hatched, and a hundred babies spilled forth into the world. Fifty boys and fifty girls, all in human form. But before either parent could rush to their aid, the children began to grow rapidly before their eyes. The men grew tall. Thick beards sprouted from their strong chins. The women developed breasts, and their hair fell below their shoulders. Within an hour, the children of Lak Long Quan and Ao Ko were no longer children at all. Ao Ko and Lak Long Quan stared sadly at each other as they watched their fully grown brood. Neither of them had lost the deep longing that had threatened to tear them apart. Now that their children were fully grown and ready to leave the palace themselves, they were once again reminded of their melancholy. Tears streamed down Lak Long Quan's face as he turned to Ao Ko. My love, I do not belong here. 
I am a dragon, a being of water. You, a fairy, were born to reside in the forest and mountains. We are too different to live together. I... I must go home. How can two people who love one another still long for something else? I do not think we have to live together to be bound. We have our children. But what of the law? You would abandon them? I am giving them the greatest gift I could ever offer them. I will leave them with a part of me. Children, half of you will come with me to live by the sea, and the other half will stay with their mother in the mountains. I have dedicated myself to this land and the people in it, despite the unhappiness I have felt at being away from home. I will leave you here, my children, to help the law in my stead and ensure that this nation blossoms. And if any of us ever have need for the other, we will reach out. Fifty of their children followed Lak Long Quan to the water's edge, where they stayed. They watched him slowly walk into the sea and disappear. High above in the mountain palace, Ao Ko and her fifty children watched him go. After he was gone, Ao Ko turned to her children with a smile. Now, the strongest of you step forward and reveal yourself. A murmur went around the children before a son stepped forward. His eyes were as intense as his father's, his smile as gentle as his mother's. You, my son, will be our king, King Hong. From the children of the mountain rose the first Hong king. He united the tribes throughout the country and formed the unified nation of Vietnam. He was followed by 18 generations of the Hong Ban dynasty, all who were regarded as Hong King and descendants of the fairy and the dragon. According to legend, the hundred children of Ao Ko and Lac Long Quan are the ancestors of the Vietnamese people. Today, the Vietnamese take great pride in both Lac Long Quan and Ao Ko. Cities and towns have named streets after them, and they're celebrated at the Hon Temple on the third lunar month at the Hon King's Festival. Lac Long Quan remains one of Vietnam's greatest heroes, not just because he killed monsters and banished a northern army, but because he fathered the children of Vietnam. The two elemental forces, the sea and the mountains, are represented in the union of Ao Ko and Lac Long Quan. His legacy is his duty to the Vietnamese people. He forever bound the mountains and the sea together through Ao Ko and his children. His lasting promise, a pledge for both sets of children to protect one another, serves as a symbol of unity for the Vietnamese people. For despite his godlike powers and incredible strength, it was the dragon's heart that built a nation. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on Lac Long Quan, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Birth of Vietnam by Keith Weller Taylor extremely helpful to our research. 
You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children. And every Wednesday, we dive into another dark classic tale. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Isabella Way, and Joel Stein. This episode of Mythology was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Joe Hernandez, and Dan Velasquez. I'm Vanessa Richardson.